Welcome to Bite Size Career Advice, where Kendall and I will dig into the challenging world of job searching, career development, career growth, and managing tough work-life situations. Okay, Kendall, we're back for another episode of Bite Size Career Advice. We had a little break. Yes. I mean, we had an episode not too long ago, but but we had a little break, so... I think work got in the way, life got in the way. Sometimes you have to take a little break. I know. I Even know. from stuff you like doing. I know. So we were like, ah, <laughs> oh, we got to get back on this. So we wanted to do kind of a follow-up episode. So Nate, Nate on our podcast last, the last episode, had talked a little bit about his experience with having a, a, a bad boss or a toxic boss. And so we thought it'd be kind of fun to follow up that digs into that just a little bit. And we wanted to to get into um, just a little bit about toxic managers. And our focus isn't really about toxic managers just being bad bosses. It's it really comes down to a style thing, and sometimes that style isn't isn't going to work. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to give you some tips on how to work with some of those styles. And then we'll we'll wrap it up with at some point. Maybe it's just time to go if it's not working right. Sometimes it is just time to go, but we'll figure it out. We'll break it down for you. Yeah, yeah. So let's um, first pose some questions that might help you figure out if it's, you know, really, if you're really working for a bad boss. You know, just because they're hard on you doesn't always make them a bad boss. Right, right. They're just, you know, it it sucks for the person who they're hard on. (laughs) But sometimes that means it's you, not them. Right. So maybe some of these, some tips and advice that we're about to give you might help you figure that out along the way. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a situation, so it was Thanksgiving not that long ago and I was getting excited to, to decorate my house, not decorating before Thanksgiving like <laughs> mom does because mom's like ready after Halloween. She could open her own shop. I know. Right. Um, Christmas everything. She could. She could. You need someone to decorate your house? <laughs> We've got you. Yeah. She'll come over. So I was trying to pull out my tree oh, no. because I want to start decorating and my husband's like wanting to not decorate <laughs> and I just want to get it done. So I go and like try to pull out my tree and it's like a monster of a tree because I need a fake one because we can't have a real one. And I'm like pulling this thing out and I like hurt my hip, (laughs) which was fantastic. So pulling out the tree, you hurt your hip. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was yanking out. We just say that one more time. Yeah. Pulling out the tree (laughs) made me hurt my hip. But my point is, is that sometimes as a manager you need to identify the the tasks and responsibilities that you should be doing and the things that somebody else should be doing that was a task in my house that should not be my responsibility because (laughs) it's too heavy and I can't get the thing out or I should really be encouraging teamwork and I should be talking I should be finding a time that works for my husband to decorate as well so we can pull the tree out Can you just clarify how big this tree is? It's really big. It's like 12 feet tall. And it's heavy. Okay, so that's what she meant by heavy. Because a lot of people probably will be picturing some mini tree that you can't Oh, no, no, no. This is like a massive tree. (laughs) But my point is, is that if if this was a work situation, I would be a bad boss because I wasn't identifying the people who have a better skill set to do that task than me. delegating appropriately. I wasn't delegating. I was probably trying to be like a perfectionist or something because I wanted it all done my way. Yeah, that that sounds about right. (laughs) 
So there's a few things. Um, one of which, you know, think about that manager's, I guess, motivation about why they're always on your back. Essentially, being a micromanager. Yeah, because we should think about why I was motivated to have to get the tree out myself. <laughs> okay, <No>. micromanager. <laughs> no, no. And I think I'm the perfectionist. Okay, we'll, a- call, we'll call it perfection. <laughs> but no, I think, you, you know, the micromanager is one. I've worked for them. Have you worked for them, Kendall? Everyone's worked for them, yes. if not multiple times. <laughs> right, right. Or we sometimes are micromanagers yes. ourselves. But, you know, like you said, the motivation. Like, why are they micromanaging you? Um, really thinking about what is the detail that you're, they're looking at. So kind of the micromanager is a tough one, but I do think you have to pose that question. Uh, the, you know, the next one I'm thinking about is, are you anticipating what they want? Are you thinking about what that manager's what what that manager's going to need? Some managers, you do have to be one step ahead. Mm-hmm. If your boss is going to go meet with her boss, you probably should make sure she has an updated recruiting schedule or whatever you're doing. She she knows what's what's going on. And then, are there triggers? You know, do you have, for example, an 8 a.m. status meeting with your manager and you always send your status report to them by 5 p.m. on Thursday? Do you really think your manager wants to stay late to read your status report? No, like you send it to 5 p.m. and they're like, great. So what are they doing? So it's like classic. They're reading the status report in your one-on-one at 8 o'clock with them. Yep. And then they're like asking you questions and you're like, it's on my status report. Yeah, I would be annoyed with that person too. Yeah, but then your manager's annoyed because you sent it at five o'clock the Mm -hmm. night before and they're like, you know what? I don't want to work late to read your status report. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another one sometimes, I think we get so focused on what we're trying to do. You're not always listening to what they really want. So you're... You're presenting things to the manager. They're being really critical. You feel like you're not on the same page, but sometimes you have to stop for a sec and think about, you know, what what do they really want, and are you really hearing what they want you to do or what they what they want you to accomplish? And sometimes it helps to just make some notes and repeat back to them what they've told you to do. Or if it seems to happen a lot, maybe you document it and send it to them in an email because they may read through it and realize, eh, that's not quite what I want. Because who knows? Did they not plan ahead? Or are they just talking off the cuff? Right. So that's, you know, that's a good one to, to think about. And ultimately, you really want to figure out what they want from you. You know, how they like you to work and come to some agreement about your style. Yeah. So those are questions that we were we were thinking, you know, think about those. You have to think about those things a little bit. And you always have to remember that your boss is probably reporting to somebody else and they have certain pressures for that person, and they're under certain pressure. And they're not always going to be, you know, loading on you as to everything they've got to deal with. And so they may not always give you insight in the pressure that they have, but this could be contributing to how they're they're acting. And if you feel if you feel like, ugh, I feel like I have a bad boss, I think sometimes you have to take a step back and really, instead of going through that downward spiral, getting like all negative. I mean, we both gone through it we've vented about our boss oh, yeah. plenty of times and you got to get out of that rut because mm-hmm. then you're just like upset all the time and you're annoyed all the time and the reality is it there may, it may be some other reason they're 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 acting that way um so what i think we want to do is let's let's really dig into some of the different kind of toxic bosses or bad bosses whatever you whatever you want to say now if you review the situation mm-hmm 
and you still come to a conclusion that you work for a crappy boss. Uh, There's actually a great article we came across that discusses different types of toxic bosses. Yeah, we'll put Um, that in our show notes, too, so people can can reference it. Because sometimes you're working for a toxic boss, and you just have to deal with how how do you just deal with it. Yeah, sometimes it's just learning their style and then somewhat matching that style but figure out how, I know there's like a little, there's a science to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to, if you're, if your style is totally different, like if there's mm-hmm. a micromanager and you're not detailed, it's probably going to be a problem. It's probably going to be a disaster. It's not that they're <laughs> a toxic boss. It's just you two should not be in this relationship. Right. right. And that happens quite often. Actually, It's not a good match. <laughs> so let's go through a couple of the, couple of the ones. So we read the article and Kendall and I pulled out some stuff that we thought were kind of interesting. It may, it may be because we identified with some of these <laughs> bosses, but I thought we thought they were good ones. So uh, my favorite, the slacker. The slacker boss. So this is the boss that has does lots of networking. They have a lot of meetings. And then they come crashing down on you last minute because they didn't manage their time. They have some big meeting coming up. I've had this happen before. You know, my boss has an executive meeting coming up. You know, previous bosses, I had one that would have meetings that came up. And and they would be heading into this this executive meeting in like a couple of days and they're like, hey, can you give me the, the metrics for the hiring for the year? And I'm like, bull, <laughs> crap. Okay, I'm going to spend the next two days and put that together. Right. And so, you know, this is this is the one that, you know, they, they're they probably not going to change. If they've got a lot of stuff going on, they crash down last minute because they got to get their stuff together to present or whatever. So I think the best advice I have on this and what I actually ended up doing was, you want to understand like what important meetings do they have coming up? Like, do they have a, a weekly meeting with their manager every Thursday afternoon? If they do, you should get your status report to them Wednesday so that they have that information or Tuesday night or whatever. Do they have, are there key, like, are there key like quarterly meetings or monthly meetings or things where they're having to present information or they're having to meet with other groups or they're having to give status on projects or or whatever, if you can understand what those are, you can start to anticipate and prepare for what you need to do. And so, you know, I've done some of those things where I know when I had a, a manager that would ask for metrics of, of hiring, because that's what, you know, we have, they'd ask for them last minute. I actually just started doing, making sure I was doing my metrics monthly. So at any point they're like, I want the last six months. And I'm like, sweet, I got it for you. So I think the slacker boss, you just got to start to anticipate what they need so that you can be a little bit ahead of them. Now, the the big one, the micromanager. That's your favorite kind of boss, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> it's actually anytime I've ever interviewed someone and I ask them, you know, what, you know, what's your work style? What, you know, what do you prefer? Every single person's always like, I don't want a micromanager. Mm, yeah, I know. Neither do I. But we've all been there and done that. <laughs> So with the micromanager, they really strive for their version of perfection at all times. They also seem to just focus on some some of the details and don't that don't seem important to you. Right, because you're because they'll sometimes and I've I've been fault of this where I don't I don't consider myself a micromanager and it's funny because Nate and I were talking about this and I don't I don't think it made it into the podcast but we were talking about how. I would be like, oh, I'm not really a micromanager, but he was like, do you not delegate your all your tasks that you need to? Obviously not. 
you know, Mm -hmm. but, but it's kind of a form of that micromanaging. They may not be on you, but they're not delegating stuff that they could be delegating. Well, the worst is when they're not only a micromanager, but they're also a control freak. Yeah. And they want everything done a certain way. And, And in some cases it's hard because, and so sometimes you just have to understand what they want and why they want it that way. I'll give, you know, I think an example I can think of, of the, that micromanaging piece when we, when I've worked in companies and we've done um, layoffs or reduction in workforce, I am a stickler for every aspect of that paperwork and the labels on the envelopes of the person's name are, are perfectly put on there. And the reason is, the reason behind that is I want that folder to be taken care of and not haphazardly put together or the label to be lopsided because when someone's leaving the organization, you want to treat them with dignity and make them still feel good, like they really contributed. And if you, but if you, halfway put stuff together and you're not careful it just looks haphazard well then that's also part of communication you probably communicate to your team exactly what you're looking for and you tell them this is why i'm doing this this is why i'm gonna look at this stuff this is why you're gonna take that label off that that letter you just put on because it's it's creased that's why we're gonna reprint it. Oh no! <laughs> I warn people though. I did warn, but I'm not in I mean, that. I should give them a fair warning before right. you tell them something's creased and take it off. Yeah, right. <laughs> really, I mean, I think our best advice for that is kind of like what we just said. You know, stay in constant communication. Make sure, for example, make sure you have weekly one-on-ones on your calendar. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a big one. I love weekly one-on-ones because I feel like time will pass. And I've had a manager before where I didn't have one-on-ones every week or even just even bi-weekly. And they would come to me when we finally have a meeting once a month and be like, oh, wait, or why aren't we doing this? Or why, why aren't we doing it this way? Well, if I had meetings with you, maybe I would know how to do it the right way. So, you know, it, it, I think constant communication is yeah. key. Almost over-communicating is sometimes better than no communication at all. Yeah, and I think you can even... If you're if you're waiting and your manager's like, hey, yeah, I'll schedule the meeting, just schedule it yourself. Like, right. you know, you could take it upon yourself. Um, I know the there's things that my like my current manager's things he's fantastic at, and then things that I just need to make sure I'm doing. And so mm-hmm. I know the one on ones are important to me. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure he gets some information. So I actually just schedule them on the. I put mine on the. I just scheduled it, and it's kind of nice because I'm able to schedule it when it works with my schedule. I mean, obviously I look yeah. at his calendar, but right. <laughs> but I can pick it, you know, versus versus him. But let's talk about the micromanager, Kendall, mm-hmm. working on a project because. When we talk about, you know, this is really about toxic bosses and and I think what we're talking about, sometimes there's, there's styles and stuff that can be tough, but you could not necessarily, you could work on a project and it's not your boss. It's a project manager that you're working with and, and project managers have to micromanage things. Yep. It's kind of like in their job, but, but you know, with that, I mean, what do you think people could do to alleviate some of the stress they're going to feel with that micromanaging style? I mean, again, I think it just goes back to that open communication, mm-hmm. constant communication with them, because oftentimes when you have that communication, you then slowly learn exactly how they want things, and then you're able to be one step ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, you have a good scope of a project, and you're able to mm-hmm. review with them, like, here's what I'm thinking, here's what the scope is, here are the deliverables. Yeah. If you review that, they can at least start you early in the project and tell you, that's not what I want. <laughs> As opposed to being two months into things and realizing, because that's never happened, just saying, saying for a friend, 
but you're not two months into things and realize they're like, oh, well, why aren't you doing this, this, and this? And you're like, what? Yeah, I guess I, <laughs> we should have talked about that. <laughs> yes. Okay, so my favorite, I'm going to call it, the, the title of this was The Incompetent Boss, but I feel a little sorry for The Incompetent Boss, because this is like the person that was, they're really good, and we see this in technical jobs all the time. The person technically is fantastic. They're a fantastic developer. Right. They're really good at what they do, and then they're like, sweet, let's promote them to manager, and then they have no idea how to manage people. <laughs> yeah, I see that often. Yeah, and it, and it helps. And so I think you can actually look at this in in two ways. So you've got a boss that you report to. You feel like they're either they're incompetent, either they're not really a good manager, or they have no idea what you did. Maybe they got promoted into be a manager, but you're part of the job. They actually don't even know. And you're like, geez, they don't even well, know what I do. Well, sometimes an incompetent boss you can really learn from because they're really, really good at their job. So there's something yeah. that you can learn from them. They may not be the best boss, but at least you can get the skill sets you need technically from them right and that's how you kind of flip it i guess yeah yeah or you know you can also be totally irritated that's one (laughs) that's one route negative nancy yes yeah probably not the best route uh but i think the other thing you can do you know when you talk about flipping it is you can figure out what you can do to help support them to make them successful because if you can do that they're going to see as a valuable member on the team Mm -hmm. they're really going to appreciate you and, and that's what it's really about. I, I feel like my role is to do what I can in my function to make my boss look good. And I fortunately work for somebody who respects what I do and, and, and sees that good partnership that if I'm doing well, you know, it's making him, you know, look good. So he's there to support. So it's, it's kind of how that You always works. want to, it doesn't matter what job, what profession you're in, you always want your boss, your team to see you as an asset, um, yeah. an asset that if something happened to you, they would be screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into a job, it's always, that is probably your top goal to attain when you're any job you're working in really. Yeah. And I think with the, if you can, with the incompetent boss, like we could, we say it incompetent. It's such a negative term, but incompetent again, I kind of feel sorry for this person, but ultimately even if they don't know what you can do, what you're doing, like they don't know your job inside and out, but they can remove roadblocks. So you can just get your job done. That's a great, that's great. So if they don't know what you do and you're like, ah, they're just incompetent. They're not that great a manager, but they can at least help to remove roadblocks. That could help. The other one, the ego booster. Oh yeah. The one that needs to take credit for all your work you just did because you're on their team. Yeah. I mean, I think we've all also had one. Maybe not necessarily your direct manager, but it could be a teammate. As oh well. yeah, that's all. I think that. everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you have the one team member, uh-huh. they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. You're like, okay, you attended one of ten meetings, <laughs> right? Um, so something with these, you know, individuals, whether it's your manager or team member, um, you know, you can give them choices and allow them to make the decision. So you can also acknowledge their efforts, which does a couple things. It allows you to stay on their good side by giving them credit, mm-hmm. but it also allows you to control what credit you're willing to give to them. Yeah, you kind of get ahead of them. You're giving them credit. Mm-hmm. Like in a meeting, you're acknowledging that it's they smart. help with something, but you're acknowledging it, yeah, on what they what they said. And I, and I think sometimes the ego booster, uh, when you talk about you know giving them choices, 
they sometimes feel like they're making the decision. So come to them with choices and let them feel like they're making the decision. Like you really may know the direction you want to go, but they want to feel like they're making the decision or a part of it. So I think the giving choices is a good thing. The visionary. I actually like visionaries because they're super <laughs> fun to work with. And they're, they're always like very creative, very, um, they get people excited. They have a lot of energy. It's usually contagious. They make the work fun. Um, the bad news is they have like these awesome ideas, but they're not always down in the weeds actually to get the job done. And sometimes I don't realize how big of a job that right. is. <laughs> so your ego, your, your visionary boss can, the problem with these folks is they overcommit what you can do. So right. they're telling everybody, oh yeah, we're going to get all these things done. And you're like, how, how, how is that all going to happen? <laughs> but, but I think that. What you can do for for this type of boss is you can be in the weeds. You can, you know, if if there's going to be, let's say there's like goal setting. So we're going to have some discussions around goal setting. And you may want to, during your one-on-one that you've scheduled, because the visionary is definitely not going to schedule meetings with you. (laughs) They are not going to, they're going to, they're in the clouds. They may not even stick to their calendar, but the visionary, (laughs) super fun, doesn't adhere to schedule. So you can try to meet with them and really sort of talk through and take that big idea and chunk it out. So they want to do this big, grandiose thing. Let's break it out into parts. Let's phase it. I love phased projects. Like you want to do that big thing, let's put it into three phases. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We're not not getting it all done in three months. We're going to get phase one done in three months. It allows them to still have that vision, but you chunk that vision up. Yeah, and I think they feel like, because sometimes visionaries want to, they have a, a bigger plan of what mm-hmm. they want, which is great. Because if you can, if you're not a visionary and they are, you can just tag along for that ride and then you can continue to help along the way. And they also may just want to see progress happening. Like we're doing this. We're getting these things done, and and chunking it out can do that. Um, There's actually an article that we reference in our show notes. Um, It states actually 64% of managers say they needed to work on their management style. Wait a second. 64% of managers say they need to work on their management style. So well over half. Yeah. need to work they so they know so that micromanager that visionary that ego booster they all know they suck at manager being a manager but you don't necessarily know that yeah so that means that most of us will probably at some point in time work for someone that we consider a bad boss yeah bad boss toxic boss um and, and i think that one of the things that you know kendall and i talk through some different styles and where it becomes, where the boss is. So, so there's always points in which uh, I'm working for my boss and, and I'm dealing with this. And so maybe there's some style things about them. But the bad boss or the toxic boss, it's really to the extreme. It's really about like, you know, I think Nate's episode, uh, I think it's episode 13. He really talked about how it started to affect him. It started to affect his health. It started to affect his well-being. He was questioning his decisions at work. He felt like it was so much harder to get his ideas across. So when you're getting into that and you have 
some, you know, if you have a visionary who's always a visionary, they're always coming up with new ideas, they're never sticking, they're not sticking to meetings, that can be really, that's where it starts to bleed into that toxic environment and they're really becoming a toxic boss. Some of these, you could easily feel like in those moments that you're working for a bad boss because they exhibit some of these traits and then it makes it hard to work for them. So what we have gone through is really talking about here are some recommendations or things you can do to 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 do that. But I but I do think you can kind of learn from bad bosses. Yeah. You can you can learn from traits that that you were like, okay, I'm not gonna do that if I manage people. And that's really one of the big ones. Uh, you also learn in my next job, this is the type of manager I'm not gonna work for. Right. You definitely know like mm-hmm. I work well with that style or I don't mm-hmm. work well with that yep. style. Um, really, in the end, you have your own style. And it, if it doesn't mesh well with your manager, then you might have to look for another job. It's like a relationship. When this right. relationship is no longer working and we're not it's working over. together, it's over. But not over like, like I've been working for you for three months and this is hard. Like Right. Really, if, you, if it's only been six months, give it a little bit of time. Yeah. You might take some time to get in the groove of things with your manager, but if it's been six years, it's time to say bye-bye. Yeah. If it's been six years and you're like, okay, this is just toxic. Like, you know, our, our friend Nate, he, he ended up leaving after a while and and he probably stayed longer than he needed to. And, and really neither one of you are going to change. It's just not going to happen. No. You're there. You know, if, if they're a visionary and you're so frustrated because they're never detailed. Guess what? They're never going to be detailed like you want. So it's Some time to move on. Some things you just can't change about people. No matter how much you work on it, you can't change it. And, you know, remember, we're not, t- we're not tied to our job. It's a choice of whether to stay or to go. Um, if you have to stay, you're better off seeing the positive and figuring out how to work with that manager. I think that's really important. Also, try having an honest conversation Take advice from, for example, episode six on asking what questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure to approach with a fair tone and style in your communication to make sure that you don't feel like you're, they don't feel like you're attacking them. Yeah. Yeah. And, but this conversation could help, you know, getting things moving to a better place. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's very easy for us to blame others. You know, they're hard to work with. They're a micromanager. They don't stick to deadlines. You know, they don't do these things. But I think it is important for us as employees, as we're, we're all working for somebody at some point, I guess, unless you work for yourself. Um, but you have to sometimes step back and think, what can I do to make this situation better? How can I support my manager? How can I do these things to make it better? Really take a step back. You got to look inward and, and ask those questions. And making a list of pros and cons of yeah. whether to stay or to go. Yeah. I mean, I've had managers I've worked for that it was rough for like the first, you know, six, six months to a year. And then I felt like I started to get in the groove. And honestly, some of it came down to it took that person just longer to trust the people who work for them. And so it took a period of time where they just, it took them time to trust me in the work that I was doing. And once we got to that place, it was so much better. But initially I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. But, you know, <laughs> I wanted to, to give it a shot. Right. Well, thank you for joining us. If you have any questions uh, you want answered or you have a topic or an idea for a future episode, please reach out to us at bitesizecareer at gmail.com. Yeah, reach out, because we've got an episode coming up, Kendall, that we're going to do probably in the new year, 
because we've been compiling questions that our listeners have sent in. So we're going to actually answer some of those questions. So if you have a question you want answered, we will do our best to answer it and just send it over so we can kind of get get thinking about those answers because we do want to put some time and thought into these and come back with some good information. But yeah, well, thank you guys for listening. We hope you got a couple of things out of this. And uh, my house is decorated. Yep. My heel, my hip has healed, mm-hmm. so I'm feeling okay. <laughs> Kendall came with me on Thanksgiving to the doctor, so you know it's all good. Emergency in the room on Thanksgiving is lovely, <laughs> but there was nobody there. Yeah, one talkative lady, but right, right. So, anyways, thanks guys for listening. Um, and again, if you have any questions, send us an email.